Hey there, welcome to the Podcast Manager Show. I'm excited that you're here. I hope that you are excited to be here today. We are speaking with Katya Nicholas, who is a Clifton Strengths certified coach. And we are talking about your strengths, identifying your strengths, and using your strengths to excel as a podcast manager so you can build a business using your strengths. We're specifically talking about the Clifton Strengths Assessment. And if you haven't heard of it yet, go check it out. I'm kind of obsessed with it right now. I actually ended up having a 90-minute call with Katya after we recorded this episode because I was like, oh my gosh, I want to know more. I'm so into this. And I've been talking to you guys about it in my Facebook group and on Instagram. So I know a lot of you guys are really into this as well. Personally, I think that the Clifton Strengths Assessment is like way better than the Enneagram and other ones that I've gotten into in the past because it's not really prescriptive. Like it's not going to put you in a box. It's actually just going to show you your top 10. There's 34 strengths in, in all, but it's going to show you what strengths in order show up in your life. And so it's super fascinating in my opinion. And in this episode, we talk about how to use your strengths to your advantage because it's not about a podcast manager has to have these strengths. And so if you don't have them, you have to work super hard. No, we all have strengths and we can all use them to be excellent podcast managers. So it's about really designing a unique system for yourself so you can use your strengths so you can show up excellently in your business. Okay, let's go talk to Katya. Hey there, I'm Lauren and you're listening to the Podcast Manager Show a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Katya, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Lauren, for having me. I'm so excited to be here today because as you already know from our networking group, I love, love, love talking about uh, natural talents and strengths. Yes, I love all of this type of talking about strengths, talking about learning about more of what we're naturally good at. I think this is so great to use in our personal life, but obviously also in our businesses Mm -hmm. so that we can get from the zone of excellence to the genius, which is one thing we're going to talk about today. But before we dive into that, I would love to know a little bit more about you. Okay. My name is Katya Nicholas. I am originally from Russia, as you can probably hear by my accent, uh, from St. Petersburg, Russia. And then I lived in actually a few uh, beautiful countries and beautiful cities, Uh, Prague, Vienna, then we moved to San Francisco Bay Area, and now I'm in New York City. I do two things. I do. I have two passions, portrait photography and Clifton Strengths coaching. How I got into Clifton Strengths coaching is one of my mentors back maybe eight years ago or so recommended a book and this assessment to help us understand what we're good at uh, as we were, you know, developing our businesses. And 
I took the assessment. It described me to a T. I learned so many different things about myself. And one of the things that I learned about that we just were talking about before we started recording, empathy. I didn't realize empathy was a talent. That was a huge thing for me. And then I just fell in love so much with this methodology uh, of, you know, positive psychology of strengths-based psychology that I eventually got certified in this because I truly believe that this work, this talent assessment will help anyone, especially somebody who is trying to build a successful business to get to their zone of genius and really focus on what they do best so that they can enjoy, really enjoy uh, what they do and forget even the idea of what it is to hustle and, and grind and, and all of those negative things that sometimes people attach to sort of running a business. Yeah. Thinking that we need to be good at everything or we need to be like at least to a certain, you know, good. And then we can be great at some things, but we don't even need to be good at some things, right? We can be <laughs> yeah, bad at something and sure. that's totally fine. So one yes. thing I wanted to ask you was, what is the advantage of focusing on our strengths and excelling at our strengths versus trying to focus on our weaknesses and improving our weaknesses? It's uh, an easy and at the same time, a very complex question, I think. Um, the purpose of focusing on your strengths is it helps you in so many different ways because you get constant, continuous validation of how awesome you are, simply put, right? It's, we are all talented. Seriously, we are all talented. And when we focus on what we love doing, what we enjoy doing, we can capitalize on that. We can grow. There is really no limit to grow, to your growth when you are focusing on your talents. I love to tell my clients that even the sky is not the limit when you're focusing on your talents. When you are trying to focus on your weaknesses or fix them, there is a limit to that. And what actually happens very often when I see people trying to really improve on their weaknesses, they get uh almost depressed mm -hmm. because when you think about this when you're trying to do something that you are not enjoying doing and you're forcing yourself to continue uh working on it and you still can't improve or you know become as good as somebody else who are you trying to copy it's very demotivating uh and so i always recommend to not pay too much attention to the things that you think uh, or you actually know that you are not good at and, and really pour all of the love into the things that you do enjoy and you're really, really good at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it makes sense to like be aware of your weaknesses because then you know, then you know. Right. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense that it's demotivating to just focus on them because mm -hmm. you know, not only are you, are they weaknesses of yours, but you're right. Like you just don't have any interest <laughs> probably in, yeah. you know, in, in doing those things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's like, and one thing I think is interesting is, you know, I don't know, the world society tells us that certain things are better strengths than others right? Mm -hmm. So then we think if we don't have those strengths, then that's what we need to focus on. But really, no, we're all created differently. 
Mm-hmm. So instead, like we all bring great things to the table. And so instead of trying to focus on another person's strengths, mm-hmm. like, like maybe, you know, you think being, being empathetic would be amazing, but that's just not one of your strengths. Well, then who cares? You've got your own strengths, right? Yeah, for sure. This is another reason I love Clifton Strengths methodology so much because Don Clifton, the father of the of this assessment, uh, defined talent as the natural recurring patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior. That's it, right? So it's not, you know, if you are extroverted, if you love going to a parties, you know, it doesn't mean that you are, I mean, you are a great networker, but if you don't have those qualities, if it's not easy for you to strike up a conversation with somebody, it doesn't mean that you cannot be a successful networker, right? I know quite, I am uh, myself, well, I mean, I used to be more introverted. Now people who meet me or who have known me in the past, let's say nine years, they don't believe me than when I say that I'm introverted. I'm more of an ambivert right now. Mm-hmm. But what I'm trying to say is that even introverts, uh, when they focus on the things that come naturally to them, when they follow their you know, natural ways of thinking and feeling about things, they can be quite successful, quite good at networking. They just need mm. to figure out those patterns, you know, what helps them build trust or rapport with somebody. Uh, and some people will actually argue that introverts make better networking, uh, networkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes total sense. Now, why do you think that this specific strengths finders assessment is a good one to take? I'm so glad that you asked this question uh, because it actually comes up a lot when I coach uh, people, helping them understand the natural talents, the natural ways of thinking. So the main differentiator that I like to point out is that the Clifton Strengths Assessment, or used to be called Strengths Finder, was born around the same time when the positive psychology was born. And it's a very fascinating thing for me personally to think about because up to that point, psychologists were studying everything that was wrong with people, you know, traumas, manias, all of those different awful things. Uh, And so you can't understand what makes people great at what they do when you're looking into what, why they're sad. It really doesn't work that way. So this is one of the main differentiators. Uh, another thing I love talking about when I talk about Clifton Strengths is because it is a talent assessment. It's not a personality assessment. It's a talent assessment. Ooh. We really look at what you're good at. Again, remember I sa- uh, how I said that the talent is defined as your naturally occurring patterns of thought, feeling, and behavior. And what I see with other assessments, for example, Myers-Briggs, there's, and there are all of the spin-offs of Myers-Briggs, like 16 personalities, mm-hmm. and there's some other things like that. They, in my mind, tend to actually box a person into uh, that type. Right. And it has certain limitations. If your listeners are interested and curious about, there's a new documentary that came out this year, it's called Persona, the dark truth behind personality assessments. Uh, and they talk about how some of those assessments tend to be misused, even by HR professionals sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because again, it is 
putting you in that sort of box. It assigns a type to you. And then in some cases, you know, uh, they say, oh, because you are introvert, you cannot be a good salesperson mm-hmm. or whatever. Right. And so Clifton Strengths doesn't doesn't do that at all, you know, because there are 34 talents that uh, Don Clifton and his team identified. And when you take the assessment, it lists all of the 34 talents in your unique sequence. Uh, and the beauty of this is that you look at your top five, or I personally prefer to always look at top 10 talents. And first of all, that sequence is unique to you. Uh, the chances are that you will meet your quote unquote talent twin, a one in 33 million, which wow. proves to you that you are, you are so unique, right? Yeah. And so when you are focusing on your top five or top 10 talents and you understand your uh, way of thinking through things, how you approach things and tasks, you know, how you do what you do, uh, what gives you joy, what gives you energy. Once you understand all of those patterns, you will also find words, normal words, not just, you know, an acronym, you know, I am mm-hmm. ABCD type, right? <laughs> right Maybe yeah. somebody who is into, into those types will understand what you're saying. But if you're trying to really describe what you're good at, it's like a jargon, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like that. And so again, Clifton Strings in the reports themselves, you know, they will give you language how to describe your talents, uh, how to describe how you approach things. And then you can you can learn that language of your personal strengths and capitalize on that and help your clients understand if you're in business, right? Help your clients understand what is in your zone of genius and how you get uh, how you get the results to your clients. Mm-hmm is just really, I, I personally believe this is a shortcut to your zone of genius, because once you understand all of those patterns, again, you will learn how to express that to the world around you. Yeah. And one thing that, you know, all I think a lot of service providers, freelancers, podcast managers, what have you, they have a hard time identifying what makes them unique. Mm-hmm. They think, oh, well, I'm just I'm just a woman freelancer or I'm just a mom freelancer. There's so many people like me in this freelancing space. But if you know your strengths, like you're saying, I hadn't thought about this. When you know your strengths, you say, I'm really great at launching podcasts in in a strategic way because I have strategy in my top five. Like you wouldn't say maybe strategy in my top five, but you would say one of my top five strengths is strategic thinking or whatever. And so you're, yeah. it's like you have data to prove. Exactly. I'm so glad that you said data because that's another thing. It's, it's so the way this assessment is designed, it really gives you this raw data of how you are, right? Yeah. Once you, you know, receive your report, you read your, about your talents, there's no questioning of what you should be doing or what you should not be doing. And going back to understanding your uniqueness, actually, because you, you Lauren, uh, gave me your talents. Uh, if you want to talk through how you went from, you know, doing one thing into understanding your natural talents, and now you're doing it slightly differently because you do have strategic talents in your top uh, five and ten talents. Yeah, yeah. Let's dive into that. 
So back whenever I had this mindset of like being a podcast editor and I was really in this mind space of like executing for clients, you know, they would send me something, I something and I would do it. And I knew that that wasn't my, where my talents were in executing. Um, rather, I was more like top level thinking. So when I, through my business, you know, metamorphosis, I guess, mm-hmm. I realized that there was space for a podcast manager where I think my talents were better at because I could see the project from the top down. I could see the future of the show. And so that was when I kind of went from not using my talents, I guess, to using my talents was going from podcast editor to podcast manager. Yes. I mean, this is, I'm I'm glad that you, you know, naturally arrived at that conclusion that you should be doing something slightly differently, not just executing on you know, creating podcasts for somebody else, because as I'm looking at your talents, uh, you have only one executing talent and (laughs) the rest is basically influencing and strategic thinking talents, which to me, of course, shows, you know, why, how you, you see the, the project, right? Like the big picture, basically, right? So this is what strategic thinking is all about, uh, how you, you see the big picture. And then with talents like Maximizer, um, you have this ability to help somebody maximize their potential, you know, by bringing that energy to the, to the table and helping them um, make their podcast the best that it can be. That's what Maximizer actually does. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And clients, they do, not every single client, but a lot of podcasts or like almost, you know, new podcasters, they need that enthusiasm mm-hmm. because they're unsure. Even if they're public speakers, even if they're comfortable speaking, I think they need a little bit of that oomph. Yes. Someone to, you know, we all need someone to believe in us, right? But they need yeah. a little bit of that belief in in their podcast manager so that they know like, okay, I can do this. This is so awesome that you said, uh, you know, you, you need somebody to build because again, I'm looking at your positivity talent and positivity people, they're basically the best cheerleaders. They <laughs> always have something positive to say. And of course, it's it's amazing when you have somebody like this on your team or if you are, you know, in the sphere, what you're doing, helping other people get their podcasts going and and things like that. So this is uh, truly amazing. Um, I wanted to actually go back to what we were talking about earlier and uh, to understand, to understand your uniqueness is what I have been helping my clients with is, is when they tell me how they approach things or or let's say you're on a, on a conversation, on a coaching conversation with your client, or you are, uh, let's stay there. You are in a coaching conversation with a client. So I would ask my clients, how do you do what you do? What goes through your mind? How do you help them? And then as they start expressing uh, their patterns right mm-hmm. as how they're having a conversation with a uh, with a client what what they say how they uh do it and what goes through their minds i actually help them link those sentences that they're saying to me to their talents and then you basically get this blueprint for your zone of genius what is in your zone of genius and so 
if you want, we can try this right now with you on this podcast so that listeners can can understand how this works and hopefully we'll gain the the you know from the reports as well. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So when you coach uh, when you coach your students on uh, getting an amazing podcast out there, what is happening there? Okay. So yeah, if I was on a call with a client, let's say that I was on a call and they are it's a discovery call. They want to start a show and they're they're seeing if I'm the right fit for them. Mm-hmm. I would first want to know about their idea. I would try to get as much information as I could about like why they're excited about the show, what they want to teach, what they think their unique spin on their topic is, because that's really important with podcasting or, you know, lots of things influencing wise. So I would want to know a lot about their idea. And then I would I would want to make the process feel really easy for them. Mm-hmm. So walking through like, hey, this is what this is. These are the five things that we would do to get your show off the road. Like mm-hmm. that's my mindset is like, making this as easy as possible for them. Because I think that's a big reason why podcasters hire podcast managers. So I'm going to highlight that. Hey, I'm going to make this really easy for you. And then then probably, I guess my next kind of phase would be letting, I guess, probably ending it with some sort of positivity of like, this is totally possible with us working together. How do you help them see the big picture? Do you paint the big picture for them? Do you paint what is possible for them, for their business? I don't net, I don't generally do that, but I do that with, cause you know, now I'm in this role of teaching my students how to be podcast managers. And so with them, I definitely paint a picture of what's possible because I highlight, Hey, there's all these other women and, you know, a handful of men that are doing this mm-hmm. and, you know, meeting their monthly income goals and helping podcasters. And so I definitely do that with my students, but I can't say that I do that with my podcasting clients. Okay. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Okay. Uh, no, this is perfect. Um, so when you were saying how on a discovery call, you are trying to find out as much as you can about what they're trying, what the goal is, and then you convert it into say, okay, here, here are the five things that you can do uh, to make it as easy for you as possible. What I think is happening there is that you know, your empathy is talking there because you already know, as you are talking to the person, you already know that you've sensed that it might be difficult for them in some ways. And and your empathy kicks in. It's like, okay, I'll make it easy for you. And I have the strategies to help you get to where you need to be in the easiest way possible for you. And of course, there's positivity there. And then if you want to also talk about how you work with your students and you help them see the big picture, I can definitely see that you have the futuristic and the strategy talents going on there because futuristic, again, and we talked about this right before the recording, uh, futuristic is somebody who will see the uh, the future, you know, very vividly, and especially with your positivity right there tied into it, uh, you see the the positive uh, elements of what can be in the future. And with the communication, which you have at number one, you are communicating that message so probably eloquently to your students that they do... <laughs> That they do, you know, follow your energy and they do want to work with you. And, you know, you also inspire them 
for action with the activator. Oh, interesting. So there, there's there's so much to unpack, but the reason I wanted to kind of give this demonstration is because going back to the conversation of the uniqueness, right? It's once you sort of understand what is it that you're doing and how you're doing it, and also thinking about what helps very often is what do people come to you for advice for? What do they ask you uh, about? How did you, how did you do this? How did you get there? Uh, what do they thank you for is what helps to, again, to uh, narrow down what is it in your zone of genius? What makes you unique? Once you narrow that down, once you understand that, you can multiply that. You can capitalize on that. Yeah. So then let's talk about how we capitalize on that. So if we, when we identify, okay, these are my, you know, I'm really good at communicating. I'm really good at, or I have natural positivity as a talent. Mm-hmm. How do we then take that from, okay, I'm great at it to then being like this zone of genius and and maybe start off by explaining what's the difference between a, like a zone of excellence and a zone okay. of genius? Perfect. This is a good question. Um, this two concepts, uh, rather, this is one concept. Uh, it comes and was very well described and explained uh, in the books by Gay Hendricks, um, The Big Leap, and then also The Joy of Genius, right? So he talks about the four zones of competence, zone of incompetence, zone of competence, zone of excellence, and zone of genius, right? If you find yourself in in the zone of incompetence, basically where you're doing something and it's just not working and you're continuously getting negative feedback, just try to do everything possible to get out of there. Because again, uh, you know, negative feedback kills uh, all kinds of motivations, right? So but let's focus on the zone of excellence and zone of genius. So what happens very often is that when we are great at doing something, when we excel at something, we may get stuck in the zone of excellence because we are great at X, Y, Z things. And we get external validation for being so great at X, Y, Z things. Uh, let's say you are in a in a job and you're doing everything so well. Um, you get great feedback. You are getting a very you know good salary, good bonuses, all of those different things. Amazing. You know your family loves what you're doing, but you internally, on a very very deep level, know that there's something still missing. Right? You come home and this question that people sometimes on the internet ask, is that it, right? And so this is a question that sometimes comes up internally for you. But you're afraid to talk about this out loud because everything is great, right? You're you're in your zone of excellence. And it is very difficult to take the leap from the zone of excellence into the zone of genius because technically everything in your zone of genius is easy. It's, it feels effortless. And we're not you know, we are brought up to believe that you, in order to be successful, you have to be sort of kind of struggling, you know, working hard, work hard, that the whole idea of, you know, grind and hustle, you know, you have to push through things. And so it makes it super, super scary to go from the, the comfortable place of the zone of excellence, where again, you get so much external validation to jump into that zone of genius. But once you meet people 
who know what the zone of genius is and how it feels, how really what you're doing, everything that you're doing, because again, you are aware of what is in your zone of genius. And so you are looking for opportunities to do more of those things that give you energy that you love doing. You can't get uh, you can't wait to get back to those activities, you know, and then you you start expanding, you start capitalizing on uh, everything. So that was to answer your question about, you know, the difference between zone of excellence and zone of genius. I hope it was good. Yeah, okay. no, it's good. And I love that you touch on this, this idea of like, working hard and earning, mm -hmm. you know, earning your pay and earning your, your keep and, you know, being deserving of, I think that's all so interesting. It's in order to be successful, you know, we think that we have to, it's kind of taught to us, like you said, that we have to be in a sense struggling. And if things come really easy, when you land, like maybe you just happen to land in a role mm -hmm. that right. that's in your zone of genius or something, you happen upon it and you're like, this is too easy. People sometimes try to make it more complicated, right? Yes. Oh my God. I'm so glad that you brought this up. Yes. This is so easy. I must have gotten lucky. Or one of my uh, recent clients said to me, she's a, a branding and marketing strategist. And she's like, when I create strategies for my clients, it feels so stupid simple. Mm. <laughs> for her, it's stupid simple. For me, it's not. Right. Right. Another client said recently when she was describing her coaching sessions and she helps women with very, very sensitive issues, health issues. Mm -hmm. uh, so she described her coaching sessions as it feels like breathing. Supposed mm. to be so simple. And what happens when it feels so easy and we have this sort of cognitive dissonance because again we're brought up to believe that in order to be successful you have there has to be pain somewhere so these women start questioning their own genius right they start questioning if this is how it's supposed to be they start questioning if they should be asking premium prices for what they're doing. And so right. my answer to all of them is yes. When it feels easy and you get and you get your client's results, yes, this is all good. You are in the right place. To help with those moments of self-doubt and questioning, why is it so easy? Am I in the right place? What I recommend is reaffirming yourself, right? You're reaffirming that what you're doing is your purpose, maybe, right? Your mission in life, uh, or with the with my uh, client who is a marketing and branding strategy strategist. It's so easy for her because it's her talent DNA right? She comes up with a strategy in a split second. That's how her brain works. My brain doesn't work that way, right? That's how her brain works. And so again, reaffirming to yourself that this is what I do best. This is easy for me. I, you know, I have this ability to share this talent with my, uh, with my clients, with whoever, employer, you know, and also look for that external validation that we get a lot 
in the zone of excellence, you know, in the, that external validation may look like, again, either what people are come to you for advice or collecting testimonials from people whom you serve. And when you are having a moment of self-doubt, go and look at all of the words that I call them love notes that your client give you, because yeah. it will bring you back to that idea of, yes, it's supposed to be easy. Yes, it's supposed to be effortless because I am working out of my zone of genius. Yeah, that's beautiful. Hey there, I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about my podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more, learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just want to see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass and it'll show the next available time. Okay, awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I cannot wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. I see this really tied into like pricing when it comes to, you know, being a podcast manager. A lot of what we do is execution. And so we think that for some reason we want to tie our time to our pay. You know, we want we want to be able to say, okay, I spent five hours on this and my pay, you know, my hourly wage is $50. And so mm -hmm. here's my price, you know, that kind of thing. But I help my students. So I'm just like so desperate to show them, like try to remove yourself from that because what people are paying for is the transformation. Mm -hmm. And when you're, like you're saying, when you're in your zone of genius, it's so easy for you. And so you think you're not worth, uh, not your self-worth, but your your work is not worth a premium price mm -hmm. because it, it takes you two hours to do or, or whatever that may be. Uh, but really it's people are paying for your zone of genius. They're paying for your unique genius. Yes, exactly. And it, I mean, the... Going back to the example of my uh, client, who is a branding strategist, for her, it might take a second. It's not even hours of work. Yeah, right. it, it takes a second to come up with a strategy, right? So what should, should she charge for one second of work? I don't know. I'm just joking. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but, it, <laughs> but that, that's a great point, though. Yeah, it's like she can. And when we think of people that maybe we, you know, we think of like Oprah and it's like, oh, well, how much would I charge to be in with her for, you know, five minutes in a room? I don't know, like $10,000. I don't know what's mm -hmm. the number that I would that I would pay to be with Oprah. Like we see that like I can see it because Oprah's amazing. But we're 
we all are amazing in our own way. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, maybe it would help people to think of that, of how much would you, you know, pay to be in someone's presence? (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, think of yourself, whoever your role model is, right? Mm -hmm. Think of yourself as, as that person, right? Become that person. How much would someone want to be willing to invest in spending five minutes with me, right? But this I actually want to, because we're on this topic, I want to go back to that um, conversation about weaknesses versus strengths, mm-hmm. right? So, of course, for my uh, client uh, who is a branding, branding strategist, it may take a split second to to come up with a strategy for someone, but... What is important also to remember here is that when you also follow your talents, your natural talents, your interests, your sort of mission in life, whatever that is for you, of course, you are learning all of the different things that help you to be the best at what you do, right? So uh, again, talent is the natural recurring patterns of thought, feelings, and behavior, you know, somebody who is very strong in strategic thinking will take a second to come up with an idea, but all of the knowledge that they have accumulated over the years will help, you know, make it perfect for the client, mm-hmm. right? So again, we're not uh, we're not paying for the split second of somebody's thinking time, right? We're paying for their they're everything like you say they you know for their genius right and so their experience for you know again like what you just said i want how much would i pay to be with oprah for five minutes right i mean she has worked she has accumulated all of those different things over the years for you to be so enchanted by her right and so but she followed her genius, right? She wanted mm. to be the, um, what, what do you call even? <laughs> like, a, a, you know, a common name or what? Yeah. What's that? Yeah. That notable, that, rem- that, right. memorable, that, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, th- she's, there's so much to her, right? When we think right. about uh, her values, her message, you know, her, every, everything about her, I'm, I'm sure I, I would be actually curious to look at her, <laughs> and strengths, you know, like what, um, what makes her Oprah, what makes Oprah, Oprah, right? So what makes Katya, Katya? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Going back to also the, that you, when you asked me about what's the difference between zone of excellence and zone of genius, and once you understand what's it, what is in your zone of genius, how you capitalize on this, you become really strategic about how you are in the world, how you are with your clients. So for me, for example, um, we talked about empathy a little bit. Before I knew, before I got my assessment results back in 2013, before I knew that empathy was a talent, I thought that everyone was feeling as much all the time as I am, mm. right? Because empathy within Clifton Strengths, it's the emotional empathy. We sense other people's energy. We pick up other people's energy and it is very easy to get to the burnout. But once I understood 
once I learned that empathy actually is a talent and I learned how to manage it, how to mature my empathy talent, now I look at this as my superpower. And I do use it strategically in both photography and coaching and networking, actually, building relationships with people. Because what it does for me, empathy, because I have that innate ability to sense other people's energy, I, I read their energy so i know when to ask a question when not to ask a question um you know how to navigate through the conversation so it built builds trust very very quickly with people Mm -hmm. in photography for example uh this is so unusual when i said that to someone uh they they thought this is so interesting but so i do portrait photography And I do, well, before COVID, (laughs) I did events photography. And so what my empathy talent does for me is that, again, because I pick up on people's energy so fast, I also very innately read the body language and facial expressions of people. And so when I do, especially events photography, Sometimes I refer to myself as a wildlife for wildlife photography because I'm I'm looking for emotions in the room yeah. and I know how to capture them. I anticipate the emotions, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I understood that empathy is responsible for me, for my skill to capture authentic emotions, I started bringing this into my discovery calls with clients. And basically, it became my unique selling proposition because I can guarantee results without fail. You will get images from me that will, you know, that will document the energy of the room in the images. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is one way to capitalize on that. And again, going also back to photography, in portrait sessions... I work with everyday women. I I have no interest in working with like fashion models uh, or become a fashion photographer. No interest in there. I like to work with everyday women. But as you can probably imagine, everyday women who are not used to being photographed, they're terrified of being in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. So my empathy helps me, first of all, establish the rapport it will help her to feel comfortable in my presence in my presence when she is not feeling um when i pick up on something that she is not feeling well about i will ask her gently about that and also again because i do see authentic emotion uh, expressions in people's faces what I had to learn again going back to like natural talent and the knowledge there's a huge difference right so I learned how to explain authentic facial expressions by helping her understand like when there's certain muscle in your face that does this thing you know you may come across as this right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we may we may show some tension in the in the image and so I explain that to them. That's knowledge. I learned, you know, about uh, facial microexpressions and body language from somebody else. But I bring this with my empathy to explain Mm. uh, how to, uh, we can course correct right there on the set and give her, you know, really beautiful, authentic, emotionally authentic images. So that's how you capitalize on your talents. Yeah. 
And I think I like that you said a little before about how you can guarantee that your mm-hmm. photos have this. And that can be scary with any of our services to guarantee something. But when you right. know it's this natural talent. Right. And, um, you know, I'm sure you were getting that feedback a lot before mm-hmm. you were maybe even able to self-identify it. Right. But then when you like you said, you learned, OK, not only am I getting this positive feedback, but then I also now know it's part of my natural talent. I can guarantee it. Yes. Because this is the this is the way that I'm just doing it without even realizing. Yeah, without even thinking. It, it really yeah. how this works. And again, this is this is why it is scary to take that the leap in the zone of genius because it is so natural to you. You do not think about it at all. You just do it. You just do it. Whatever happens in your brain, it just happens, <laughs> right? So in that sense, you you I think you need to become a sort of like a scientist or something where you are you study your your own patterns, right? You study your own patterns. And the moment when you can figure out how you can make those patterns repeatable every single time you do what you do, this is how you you learn how you can start guaranteeing the results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. So then I'm thinking about our listeners and how they're, you know, they're podcast managers and they're, we're recommending that they take this assessment, of course. Mm-hmm. And so they take the assessment or they, they pull it back up from when they did it, you know, a couple of years ago or something. And they start looking at their strengths and they're, they're wondering, okay, how can I capitalize on these? Let's say that when they look at those strengths and see, okay, this is why this part of the process is so easy for me is because it's one of my strengths. The online space is so, you know, welcoming in us outsourcing our work. So they can bring someone on their team that does something that they're not great at. But is there another way that they could remove themselves from a role or a task or something like that that's not in their zone of genius besides outsourcing? Like, is there another way that they could think about it maybe? Well, if you're talking about if somebody is not in a position just yet to outsource, is that what you're asking me? Or I guess maybe um, what I'm asking is how could they pivot their business in a way that is more aligned with their zone of genius? Okay. So I I would say once you recognize that there are certain tasks that you do not enjoy doing that are draining for you, make up a plan for yourself to lessen the amount of those tasks if you can, right? Once you uh, realize what is in your zone of genius, start doing more of those things. It's basically like following the energy, right? Mm-hmm. Whenever you're doing something and you feel so energized afterwards, go there, always go there. One of the examples, since I was just talking about photography, um, I just remembered that a few years ago, I was watching a, a webinar of some sorts about a photographer who was so amazing. She was so great at at wedding photography. It's just her image, like if you were to to look at her images, you would cry because they were so beautiful. And then when she was talking about how she, she was dreading doing another wedding, she started crying literally as she is wow. teaching this workshop. She started crying. She's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Because her, what she was really being pulled toward doing more was videography. For some reason, she just wanted to be filming things. But she was probably also in some ways, I don't remember, it was seven years ago when I watched that. 
but probably there were some ways where she was for many different reasons, I guess what we're asking again for wedding photographers or whoever is in that space, right? Wedding photography is a very lucrative business. You can make a lot of money doing wedding photography. And so for her to say, but I don't want to do this, it was probably scary as hell because it's like you're making so much money. And her identity. Exactly. Right. Her identity is wrapped up in. Yeah. After you're doing this for some time, it does become part of your identity. This is how you brand yourself. So it's very difficult, especially, again, in an online space where everybody is everybody's watching us. And to be completely honest, you know, <laughs> everybody's watching us. And at the same time, they actually don't. Right. So, They're like, actually just, just looking at their own stuff. Right. To like, just do whatever, whatever right. feels good to you. So anyway, so that that was so fascinating for me. And as you can see, like I remembered this, and I, even though it was so many years ago, because empathy kicked in for me, right? My empathy, I picked up on that pain in an mm. instant. She's in so much pain because she doesn't want to do this anymore. She wants to do this. And eventually, I think now she is actually doing filming or videography or whatever. She, she does what she loves to do. So again... Uh, minimize the amount of tasks that you are dreading and try to put more of the tasks on your plate that you do love doing. And this is how you start. And this is also how you educate your clients. I don't do this thing anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one way to like balance out this, like, you know, your zone of genius and like what your clients want or need or what the market is asking for is to either outsource and have someone mm -hmm. on, on your team or, or whatnot, or to move your, your business away from it. And knowing, like, even if you have those beliefs of like, oh no, this is what people pay me for. Like people pay me for wedding photography, so I can't walk away from it. People don't want videography as much. Maybe that was her Yes, know, belief. Mm -hmm. And so she was afraid to move away from it. But really, people want excellence. Yes, right? for sure. And so so yeah. it's like if you're a podcast manager, and let's say you really don't want to edit anymore, like that's, that's pretty common. Well, I guess, you know, half of people, maybe they want to outsource their editing, maybe they don't want to do it at all. Well, then look at what the market where you could put yourself in the market so you could be in your zone of genius because that's what people really want is, you know, they need the transformation. Of course, we need to be providing some transformation. But, you know, if you're in your zone of excellence, then you will 100% be, or sorry, if you're in your zone of genius, people will be hiring you because you're so good at whatever it is you've, you've landed on, right? Plus also think about the energy that you project into the world. Because as an empathetic person, again, with the emotional empathy, I can tell when a person is being genuine and authentic and when they're not, when they're sort of hiding something. Mm. And so in my experience, when a person is stuck in their zone of excellence and they, and they may be saying like, oh, everything is great and I will do X, Y, Z. I don't always trust what they're saying <laughs> because I can pick up on that. Like, I pick up on that energy. And so what happens for, you know, business, well, actually for anyone in any modality, whether you're working for somebody or whether you're working for someone else, but especially when you're working for someone else and you, your business depends on more client work or whatever, the, how, how are you make money when you're doing things that drain you, that you do not 1000% enjoy 
it will spill over that energy will spill over right yeah. and there will be mistrust in some ways they, they may not say this to you but when you are in your zone of genius you are radiating something something amazing that everybody wants like oprah right yeah why people want to be in her presence because she radiates something out there that is so maybe unusual because so many of us are not in our zone of genius yeah more used to being around people in their zone of excellence maybe when we see people in their zone of genius we're like whoa yes what is she doing yeah and really (laughs) what what the answer is she's doing what she's created to do right and exactly yes it's that whole idea of law of attraction basically right yeah yeah i love that i love it so much so This has been so awesome. And I just, yeah, I find it so fascinating. For our listeners, how can they connect with you after this episode? If Especially if they're like, okay, I want to dive into my five to 10. How would they connect with you? So very easy. Uh, You can find me on line, obviously. (laughs) So my website is uh, katinicolas.com. Uh, you will put the link somewhere, right? So that I don't have to spell it out. Yeah, no, no spelling. Right. And then if you go on my website, I think that I have this pop-up where it will invite you to watch my free video to help you decode your Clifton Strengths report. Mm. Uh, so that will be a great start for you to to try to understand what is and what is not in your zone of genius and how to read your report. And then if you feel inspired, you know, join my mailing list and I'll be offering some workshops, group workshops to help, you know, people uh, dive into into this deeper. And I have one-on-one coaching if that's what you would like to do too. Okay, awesome. That sounds so great. Katya, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about this. Thank you so much, Lauren, for having me. I really, really enjoyed it. As you know, I love talking about people's zone of genius because I really believe we all should be and stay in our brilliance all the time. Yeah, I think that would make for such a beautiful world if we, if more of us were, were there. For sure, for sure. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.